Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Oh gosh, I'm so Hi, my name is Jamie Roberts. And I'm Robert Lendrum. And this is the Running Scared Podcast. Where we review the films that had you running away but coming back for more. Jamie, it is almost Christmas night. Tonight we are recording on the 23rd, two nights before Christmas. And I'm supposing you've got some big plans for your family. Really looking forward to spending some time with my mom and dad. Unfortunately, my sister won't be joining us because she is, uh, she's pregnant. She's expecting the first week of January, but we'll be spending time with my mom and dad. That'll be good. Get down to Toronto. And then, uh, that's going to be on boxing day, spending time with, uh, my wife's family on Christmas day in Hamilton, which will be really good. Just a small gathering under the house, having some different conversations with different people is something I'm looking forward to. And my kids are so excited. My, they are so excited for Santa Claus to come. So that's another thing. I can't wait. Christmas morning is going to be great. Have they Tomorrow been good? Is Christmas Eve. Have they been good? Or uh, I don't know, man. Has any kid really been good? My my daughter's good. My son, he's got his. It's a it's a going concern, you know. But like he's been good. They're all grown up. There's four and a half and two and a half. So they've they've been fine. They'll. I'm sure Santa Claus will pay a visit to the to the house. How about you guys? Yeah, our Christmas. Uh, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> I think. I think it's going to be a little smaller than it was supposed to be. We uh, we're going to go to we were going to go to see my parents in Kingston, which is now like the hot zone of Canada for some reason. Kingston, Ontario, not the biggest city by any means, and yet it's uh, just popping with COVID. So we pulled out of that, and we are still supposed to have a couple people over, but now we've got a COVID scare, at least a potential contact in our house. So we're we're waiting on a test result to determine that and. Uh, at this point, we might just be the four of us, but hey, it's our new house. So, hey, like not a big deal just to do a small Christmas for me. It's a good time of year to watch a lot of movies because uh, you're home a lot and a uh, good time to watch a lot of Christmas movies. My wife is a huge old movie fan. So at Running Scared here, we love our horror films, but I also love just cinema in general. And I watched The Bishop's Wife which was an old 47, 1947 movie, Cary Grant. Actually, uh, a Christmas movie takes place during that time. I always watch A Christmas Carol. It's a Wonderful Life. Don't pretend you, know, you didn't watch Die Hard. Just... Hey, Lincoln 30 to dispatch. 8030, go ahead. Yeah, that's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything here is okay. Over. But nobody has no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> But just don't pretend. Don't be a snob. Oh, I watched you Die Hard 2. I, I, watched, I watched Die Hard 2 last night. <laughs> of course. Let's yeah. put our boundaries on a little here. Tell me, what makes a good Christmas movie for you? Definitely has all the Christmas motifs. Lights. It's got Santa Claus. It's got Christmas music in the soundtrack. It's got family. Some kind of redemption some kind of coming togetherness some kind of i don't know journey where things seem kind of bleak and then you know through i guess the magic or the spirit of christmas rudolph's nose pops yeah, up and <laughs> something like that like everything everything kind of turns out all right i guess christmas movies are feel-good movies you know your streets are lit up generally people are more in a giving spirit and then you watch the movies that just sort of 
sort of a reflection of society at that time, you know, it feels good. What about you, Rob? I was laughing at you. You said lights, but it's funny. You're right in a way because, you know, we live in Canada where the sun goes down at what, four o'clock these days. Having the lights on, on the street, like the Christmas lights really does help because I'm walking my kid home sometimes at five o'clock. I pick him up after daycare and it's like, it feels like the dead of night, except for the, luckily the Christmas lights are out on the street to make it feel a little more joyous. Is that making it feel good? Or are, are you just like, are you talking about just the illumination of the street? Yeah, it's partly both, but, <laughs> but you're right. I, to me, Christmas movies are definitely, you know, they are about what is the holiday about. And so a lot of them sort of often hinge on sort of like the tradition of Christmas and sort of, you know, asking the question, like, what's it supposed to be about? And it's supposed to be about giving and it's supposed to be about family and coming together. Uh, we've listed a few of the examples that you said you watched. And then of course there's like, there's some of the comedy ones too, like the Griswolds, the Christmas vacation. It's a one year membership in the jelly of the month club. Oh God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the um, whole We've already year. reviewed on this podcast Gremlins, which is, you know, kind of a takedown of Christmas in certain ways. But at the same time, it's super funny. It's also a horror film. And, and so here we are looking at our second uh, Christmas horror film. However, I would ask you, do you think Krampus really is a Christmas movie or like maybe it's an anti-Christmas movie? You know, there's a montage at the beginning of the movie that just sort of frames everything in a very negative light that Christmas is more of like a burden than, than a blessing. Yeah. So you know what, I, is this, is this a Christmas movie? I think it probably leans more towards the anti-Christmas movie than really the Christmas movie. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I might have to agree. I mean, we'll get through it. Let's see where we land at the end of this thing. And, um, yeah. the, the other thing that occurred to me was like, I mean, of course the, the title is the anti-Christmas spirit. He's the He's the like evil Santa, right? Like, and this is the thing, like in North America, we didn't, I don't think we knew what Krampus was. I never heard of him until this movie came out. And then I talked to a friend hold on, of mine. Hold on. Is, is that the, are you saying the first time you heard of Krampus was when this movie came out? Yeah. Or when oh. we decided that we were going to, we were going to go ahead. And no, when the movie came out, I'd never heard of Krampus before, but that's 2015. That's only seven years ago. I'd never heard of Krampus before. And, you yeah. know, I had a, one of my uh, old friend of mine, she's, uh, her parents are Austrian. Her dad is Austrian. And she was like, yeah, this is like a thing. This is like a thing. They do like parades in the, in small towns where people dress up as like these devil characters, like these goat man things. And they, they kind of chase little kids around and they like try to scare them and they like give them like shitty gifts, like coal or whatever. Like, you know, so it's like a, it's a much stronger tradition in Europe, obviously. Like it's been going forever and I had just never heard of it before. So do you, do you get the definition for me? So Krampus is basically like uh, an anti-Santa. He it's an is. An, it's an anti-Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. Santa he, Claus is to God. Krampus is to the devil. And it's. Right. Like so you said, so he, Santa comes, gives you gifts. Krampus comes and uh, So it's like the naughty or nice thing. He's, you know, he's checking his list. He's, he's checking it twice. Find out who's naughty or nice. Krampus is the guy who comes along for the naughty. And, and I guess he whips them with like. <laughs> like fucking reeds or something. Like I was reading it on the line. I was like, what? <laughs> like, birch twigs. Yeah. Birch twigs. He fucking beats people. I was like, okay. But you know, like when you, when you actually think about it, when you, you know, Santa Claus has, it's, he's, he's been like the UN. The functions entrusted to me. The functions entrusted to me. As Secretary General of the United Nations. As Secretary General of the United Nations. Where he's, <laughs> <laughs> where, where he's been like, you know, he's an authoritative figure with no police force, right? 
And Krampus sort of functions as that deterrent. That that you know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's Santa's left hand. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah. No, like when you think about it, it makes a, it makes complete sense because it's like these are folk tales. I'm wondering why that never why Santa Claus, which really kind of strengthens the whole idea that it's like consumerism bullshit behind it. But why Krampus never really took root in other parts of the mm-hmm. world when Santa Claus has been like a household name for. I don't even know, like centuries now, right? Well, that's a good, I think that's like a, like, I mean, this is me deep, deep diving here a little bit, or like, you know, trying to think of how Christianity in general has never given face to the devil in any particular way. Whereas Jesus, like you can kind of draw him, like anybody can sit down and draw you a picture of what Jesus is supposed to look like, or even God, he's like just the old version of Jesus. Basically he is Santa. Um, (laughs) But then the devil is like, oh, he's a guy with a pitchfork and a, and a pointy nose and a and his goatee and he's, he's twirls his mustache. Like, what, you know, what does he actually look like? He's, he yeah. changes. Right. And Krampus, that, well, they say Krampus is actually supposed to be older than Christianity. So he might be sort of a pagan tradition that was wrapped up into, you know, Christian traditions like Christmas. I, I don't know, like an indie thing, I guess, to know about Krampus. In North America. But you mean? In North America. Yeah. Like, like it almost was in like a, you know, it was definitely something that circulated in indie culture well before this movie came out in 2015, but it definitely was not in mainstream culture. So this movie absolutely kind of introduced the idea of Krampus to tons of people that didn't already, that that didn't know it existed. Right. Which I think in itself is interesting and kind of cool that they did that you know we can talk about how successful they were in making a movie about it but well let's get into it so this is our review of the 2015 film film krampus directed by michael doherty which is uh as you mentioned to me off pod he's a writer uh and this was only his second feature film as a director um so maybe he did he did that trick-or-treat that indie film so, First topic, Jamie, is this a Christmas movie? We started off the top with this question. Does it tell us or ask us something about Christmas? Because I feel like that was just enough to qualify it as a Christmas movie. It is telling us something, or at least it's uh, commenting that Christmas has, in many ways, for many families, descended into a uncomfortable ritual, like a painful ritual that everybody just puts themselves through. The opening scene is awesome. Let's talk about the first 20 minutes because you and I actually text each other while we were watching this and we were like, yo, the first 20 minutes is great. I want to just circle back to your question. Does it ask us uh, something about Christmas? And I think, does Christmas matter? Does Christmas still sort of play a part in, you know, just having that Christmas magic to bring families together? Does that still ex- Does that still exist? And I think in this movie, I think the answer is, I think the answer is yes. You know, I did text you when we started watching this movie because you have this opening scene and it reminds me of like, you know, Black Friday at Best Buy and everybody's like, <laughs> like freaking, you know, there's fist fights. Yeah, I loved it. Basically, basically, it's just a crowded people trying to get into um, like a Walmart know, big, or something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A big Walmart. People are are lunging at presents and there's like it's ripping just, them in half as they fight absolutely over pandemonium and like you know <laughs> the one guy who falls down mad. gets stepped on they step on his face yeah like the facial expressions like everybody's really angry and 
what it's trying to do is just kind of frame the whole idea that Christmas is just this whole consumerist idea and that it's not really about giving and receiving. It's just about taking and you know, that sort of idea comes back late. Yeah. The buying exactly. You know what I mean? Just money and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you've got that. And then at the beginning you're introduced to the family and they seem to be a well-to-do middle-class suburban family. You have the introduction of Tony Collette's character, her sister, who is kind of like, you know, from, I don't know if you want to say from the wrong side of the tracks, they're cast as that. But then when they actually show up, they don't really feel like that. They seem like they're from like Wisconsin or like even like Minnesota or something. They're just sort of like. Well, Pittsburgh. No, they're Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, right. They're from Pittsburgh. They're they're from Pittsburgh. Yes. And they're rough around the edges, right? They're. There's a huge difference between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Just in terms of like the two communities. So I, they're from Pittsburgh. They're not city people, I guess, is what what is kind of being characterized. And then they come together and there's like clearly friction, which I thought was really good. It reminded me a lot of um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? The, the juxtaposition between these two characters. And I'm like, and I remember I, I did uh, send you a message Oh, this, this movie's being set up really good. And then you sprinkle in Max, who seems to, you know, have some good acting chops as the son. And then you also have the German grandmother, Omi, Tom. That's his mother, right? So mm-hmm. I guess he's of German lineage. So the whole movie is kind of getting set up in a really where you feel like, okay, so they're not getting along and they don't like each other. And then they bring in the aunt who they, who they hate as well. She's like a drunkard. She's, mm-hmm. you know, like, loud talker she she doesn't pull any punches she kind of has a lot of opinions first thing she does is make fun of uh tony collette plays sarah she comes in and makes fun of sarah's like whole spread makes fun of her decorations (laughs) looks like martha stewart puked in here where's the nog yeah and get my nog on yeah and so she's kind of a despicable character but she's kind of funny because she's like just says whatever she's thinking right and yeah like you know how you're like oh old aunts you know old aunt Beatrice or whatever, right? You just like, you know, you all, we all have like that. I think you've called me that a few times before, Rob, you know, you, you, like my old drunk uncle, you know, like <laughs> I've called you before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. You look like my old drunk uncle. The pieces are put into place nicely, I think. Right? Yeah, I thought so too. Like yeah. Max is uh, kind of, he's actually a bit of a problem for the family because he's having these outraged, like these moments where he you know, gets into fistfights with kids at school because they say something about Santa Claus or they make fun of him because he's such a Christmas fanatic. The dad at first, uh, Tom, is set up as like Mr. Businessman who barely has time for his family, which is I'll get to later, but it's interesting. They basically developed that with like two lines and then the rest of the movie, it never comes up again. So uh, something with these characters, we'll talk about how they change. Sarah is like, you know, she wants everything to be perfect. She kind of you know, spends more time worrying about the decorations and the spread than she does about, you know, her family. Beth plays the typical teenager who's just like, doesn't want to be there. And then the cousins arrive and they're all just these roughneck, you know, the girls are basically dressed as like hunters. Like they got their like, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, university sweatshirts or whatever. And like hat, ball cap, like (laughs) curled curled around the side of their eyes. Right. They rock up in the, I think it was like, I don't know. One of the parents is like, Oh, the girls are in a bad mood. And like, they're just reinforcing the gender stereotypes. Like they're dressing like tomboys, I guess you could say. And then <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, they're in a bad mood. And you're expecting like something happened, right? You know, Steelers lost last night. He missed from 39 early on and is to tie it. 
Good snap. Good hold. And the kick is blocked. And the Raiders have beaten the Steelers. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? They're just kind of like the priorities of the family, right? You're able to kind of. Well, we haven't even talked about Howard yet, played by David Cochner, who is a total parody of. Uh, who you mentioned, Randy Quaid from Christmas Vacation, but he's like 10 times worse. Move it, move it. We don't have to keep the traffic jam going now. Let me help you. Oh, no, get that Thanks, Tommy. Sorry, you the butler of the night off? You know, making bad jokes. He's annoying. He, he's like, he's Mr. Gun Toten. Oh, he's a Gun Toten, exactly. Yeah. But, like, he's a, you know, but because he's played by a comedian, by David Cochner, it's really over the top. Like, it's it's not it's not even wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's like, here's this ridiculous character we're going to insert into this otherwise. But is it that funny? That's no, the thing. it's not. Is it but like we'll that's get the th- thing? Is it that funny? No, I don't know. I mean, there are moments where he's like, okay. There's a little levity, but I don't find him particularly hilarious. He's playing the same guy playing Anchorman, basically, just less Texas and a little okay, more so Pennsylvania. I, take that. I'm going to pin it up on the board. We'll come back to that, okay? <laughs> yeah, pin that one right next to uh, – and Allison Tol- <laughs> Tolman uh, playing Linda. I've seen her in this role before too, right? She plays that kind of small town. Yeah. Um, She's got that a little bit of that look, a little bit of that draw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – but I like the setup because – um, everybody plays a, a role. You totally understand the dynamic very quickly. And then the thing that I liked a lot was at the Christmas dinner, you know, nobody's really happy. They're all kind of just like getting through it. You know, even <laughs> Howard makes fun of the bird. Like every, it's, it's a little dry. Hmm? It's delicious, honey. It's a little dry. Okay. Sarah's pissed because people aren't appreciating how much work she's put into dinner. Max's letter to Santa has been snatched by his cousins and they read it out loud. And this is an embarrassing moment for Max because he still kind of believes in Christmas. Omi is like the only one he can kind of talk to about Christmas who she kind of, you know, she lets him hang on to it because she knows as a grandma, like, oh, he still just let him have his innocence as long as he wants it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if he grows out of it, he grows out of it. But let's let him do that. They read this letter in front of everyone and they expect it's going to be like, Oh, Santa, can I please have a truck and can I have a video game? And they think it's going to be like just him writing a list of toys that he wants. But in fact, it's like this really <laughs> heart-wrenching scene because he's actually asking for all the things that it's clear every family member needs. Like, I really wish mom and dad had more time together so they could reconnect. I really wish um, uh, things were easier on on Uncle uh, Howard and Linda because I know they struggle because financially they're probably not as well off, right? We know you still believe in the big fat creeper i don't know what you're talking about you sure about that (laughs) stop dear santa i know i haven't been great this year and i'm sorry for that but i was really hoping you could help out me and my family this christmas we need you oh maxi pet that's so sweet and everything he says Everything he says is like Shin City wishes that girls were boys. No, no, no. (laughs) He makes, he makes, he says, um, he says, I wish, uh, but he's saying in a nice way. Like he's saying like, uh, doesn't he, is that from the letter or is that them? Something he yells at them. One of the daughters goes, dad does not wish we were boys. Like something like that. Right. I think, and I think, but he would have wrote, he wouldn't have wrote it as a making fun of them. He would have wrote it as. You know, yeah, I, no, I hope Uncle Howard a, learns to appreciate his daughters for being daughters, not trying to make them boys. I don't know what he said, but because she reads that part in silence, but yeah. it's it's what sets her off, right? And then they fight. But the point is, everything he wrote in that letter was he was trying to. He was, it was came from his heart, 
And of course, then it gets thrown in his face. He gets in a fight, goes to his room. He's so upset. His dad tries to talk him off the ledge. And and this is what I mean about Adam Scott's character, Tom. At the beginning of the movie, you're seeing him as this business guy who's too busy to do anything. And this whole family thing is just a waste of his time or just like taking up his time. But even at the dinner table scene, you can see he pivots pretty quickly to a protective father of Max. And then it, he comes and okay. tries to talk to him. When he I leaves the room, though, Max, Sorry, let's just get this point out of the way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Max throws the letter into the sky and rips it up and it gets blown straight up into a spiral. And that is the moment that he seals his contract with what we'll soon find out to be is Krampus. That's one of the things, too, is that I noticed just the way the family is portrayed, especially with Adam Scott's character, Tom, business guy taking all the calls like he's going to be like this big asshole. He's not going to really give credence to his kid, listen to them. And then really quickly he pivots. I wonder if there was a change in the writing somewhere along that based on like a test audience or, you know, if there was a change. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, there's the Netflix series Cobra Kai, Ralph (laughs) Macchio's wife in that. In the first episode, in like the first 20 minutes, and anybody out there that's seen it, she comes across as like this money, like this gold digging kind of not so nice, superficial. And then really quickly... Really quickly in the episodes uh, two and three, her per- like she changes right away, and it almost doesn't fit to the way she was set up, right, with the character, like the sort of that writing from the beginning. And then I was talking with my wife about it, and she's like, "Oh, they probably did like a test audience on it, and the you know the the audience wanted her to be a certain way and probably fit a little bit better." So draw it back to Krampus. I feel like maybe the way Tom was originally written, I feel like that might have changed, Rob. In, in terms of just what we actually see on screen, because you're right. It's instantaneous and it didn't feel right. And, I, just, I, this is what I meant with the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It, I feel like it happens with almost every character. So every character in, in the immediate family, I should say, because the the other family come, kind of comes in a little later. But like even Tony Collette, like she goes from being sort of exasperated Martha Stewart to being very concerned about Beth. And then her and her sister bond over the, like the Christmas ornaments that are from – their past that she still hangs on the on the tree, even though she's super Martha Stewart, which would be like one of those no personality trees that are just like they look awesome, but they don't carry any tradition, no history. Tony so, uh, Sarah actually has um, decorations that go back to their childhood. So, okay, so again, right away, you're seeing it there. Like the characters don't break down or shift very much from point A to point B. They kind of just they started in one place, but then three scenes later, they're they're in a totally different place. So is that maybe like, cause this movie was billed as a horror comedy. Was this billed as a comedy? It's supposed to be comedy. Cause so it, this is when, when yeah. you look at it, it's Krampus 2015 horror comedy. And then I looked actually on a couple of different, you know, sites and it's billed as a horror comedy. I think what would have been funnier is if the dad, you know, would have been more dismissive of his son and just been like, kind of grow up. Well, and yeah. Then maybe would have played on like the, I don't know. Somehow, like, because well, then you that, want them to die. That's usually the fun yeah. part of a core of horror comedies. You want people to get picked off, and you want exactly. And exactly. in this movie, everyone kind of the family starts to get together and bond together, and they start working together. Even the two sides, even the two different families, like Tom and Howard, go out in the out in the winter together to try to find Beth, and like they actually like work together as a team. And usually, their no, like character flaw is what kills them, right? So. Eventually, I guess, uh, Howard, who doesn't believe in Krampus gets dragged out the window, but, and, and then his, his son who doesn't speak 
is lured by candy and then gets sucked up the chimney. Okay, so I want to just kind of bring it back. The original question we talked about is, you know, is this a Christmas movie? And I think we both agreed that it's probably an anti-Christmas movie. And and our conversation is steering us towards some of the characters, some of the things they, or the character arcs and how that changes. And and really, is it really funny no. or is it scary? Like that's, <laughs> I guess that's the thing, right? It's when we neither. Take look- it's awful. This is, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. The first 20 minutes, you and I were like, this is great. I love where this is going. And then it just doesn't go anywhere. Like, I mean, for me, it was like a chessboard that really had the pieces placed nicely. Yeah. You did have, you no, you did have, like, think of it like this, right? We always talk about this. I think it's my fucking go-to line when I do this podcast is I love an ensemble cast and I like an ensemble cast that works. The thing with an ensemble cast is that something needs to happen with the ensemble. The interplay between them, they need to complement each other in different ways. When you bring in... The, the two families, you know, that's tried, tested, and true, right? Like Home Alone does it in Christmas movie. Griswold does it in Christmas movie. You know, you bring in these characters. The thing is, is that they need to complement each other. And, you know, especially like they need to complement each other if it's going to be funny or if whatever needs to happen for the, for the movie. The thing with this film is that what sucks out the funniness is that you're right. They all, they, they all, band together which sort of reinforces the idea that the, this is a christmas movie but it's it it sucks all the air out of each individual character so for example where howard was like this gun-toting kind of republican steelers fan uh, you know a shepherd protects his flock all of a sudden now is less verbose and is more into working with tom who he said earlier that he hated in the film not hated but that he thought was like a spineless shit or whatever he says right <laughs> so now he's he's sort of he's given something right and, so you start and, to like yeah him. you start to you say start oh to like he's okay, changing so he's evolved so there you go he's so you start to like him so then so then you know look at it um juxtaposed on the other side with tom right again build is like the money man the guy that's more interested in finance and his family even the aunt sort of grows on you, even though she still commits sort of like the sins, like in a horror movie, you know, she's like feeding booze to the children, but yeah, well, she's kind of put in her place a couple of times. That's it. And that's the other thing she, because of that. And then she kind of backs down. Right. So would have been funny. Like, you know, think about when, you know, think about the character that, that old aunt character or that old uncle from Griswold. Right. Lewis. My tree. So what's the matter with you? He's that guy, you know, the guy that set the tree on fire? Yeah. <laughs> like, you never like him because he set the fucking tree on fire and he just, he stays in his lane and it doesn't matter what happens around him. He's just going to, he's just going to go on his, his, his role, his route. Here, you're right. That doesn't happen. She somehow, she's knocked off her pedestal. She somehow cowers a little bit and not that you... Not that you like her more, but now you start to respect her. The fact that she's got some humanity in her character. Well, right? the fact that she's like, starting to respect other people and 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 yeah. her boundaries. She's realizing she's been crossing boundaries, and now she's going to like you know kind of pull it back a bit more. So yeah, that's just it. All these characters are going through this arc, which is weird, and this is what disappoints me. Man, this is we're going to have to get to the ending and talk about that at some point. But in the movie, Omi kind of sets up the you know she talks about what the what makes Christmas Christmas. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving. 
And now you're starting to see these characters do that. So you're like, oh, like they're learning, they're learning what the tradition and the spirit of Christmas is via this, this, um, unusual circumstance they've put, they've been put in where there's a blizzard outside and they've lost power and they're stuck together. Um, and then, you know, now we start adding the disappearance of the daughter and there's something strange happening out there. They can't find anybody. And, and, um, you know, now the eeriness is starting to kick in as more and more things happen. And speaking of that, I shouldn't even use the word eerie because I damn, I never found Krampus scary. And then when you add in his minions, the like gingerbread men and the, uh, I, I guess the Jack in the box was kind of creepy, but frankly, overall, they are not, they're very scary and they're not gory. The deaths are not gory. There's very few deaths on screen and nobody gets yeah. it really in a funny way that makes you go like, ha that's great. It it's it's all off screen actually most of it and okay. and so uh, this is where you you're not getting the funniness of uh, like a funny death like you might get in other horror horror films where there's like funny deaths like Gremlins had some funny deaths like sending Grandma or whatever sending um that lady on the uh, the stairwell on her automatic chair out the window she was flying out the window like they did some stuff to make it funny when people died sometimes or got hurt badly <laughs> and then it's not really scary because even when you when you do see them, they're almost too comical and they even make noise like the gremlins, like the gingerbread man. And and that like little bad angel thing is like creepy for like half a second. And then as soon as you look at it, you're like, oh, it just looks like a toy. Like, I don't know. It, anyway, all these things are, hap- are happening and they're not satisfying. It's like a studio pick, man. You know, when you said things happen off screen, you got to think of the – and we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But I feel like it's just when we talk about is it scary – we need to talk about the audience because the intended audience is a, is a direct sort of correlation with what kind of thought is put behind the scares, right? There's hardly any jump scares in this, right? Yeah. There's there's essentially no gore. There's no. essentially no on-screen kills. There's the stupid fucking tremor snow, uh, subterranean snow <laughs> monsters or gingerbread <laughs> people that keep killing everybody. Who knock off four people in one scene at the end, which is such a like, like, it's such a give up. You're like, oh my God, they couldn't get more creative than killing four people the same way. I don't, you know what? Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's a give up like that. I think it's also the the fact that this movie is probably, I think the studio was probably hoping to make some, some scratch on the pre, not the preteen, but the teen market. It's PG-13. It's right. This is a PG-13 film. Okay, so there you go. Right? That that's why we're a lot right there. some of these. Yeah, it, it's ex- exactly right. It's not even rated R. Like that's why you, they're tapping into, uh, you know, like the fifteen-year-olds, the sixteen-year-olds that are going to come out and watch this film. Even younger, if it's PG thirteen, right? You go with your parent, you, whatever. They're off getting popcorn. You watch the movie. I I just like what's creepy about the film. So is it scary? Just, okay, no. so the snowman. The snowman was kind of a cool idea where they were like the incarnation of the dead people in the neighborhood. Right. I think is and they keep the showing idea, up on the right? front yard. Yeah, they keep showing up on the front yard, right? So just that idea. So that whole idea of you look out and there's that whole mystery around the appearance of something is good, but they don't really do anything with it. I think at one point they just say, "Hey, look." there's some snowmen out there and they keep getting a little bit closer, which I think that had a little bit of, yeah. And then we see that there's more of a little bit of scare to it. I I never felt any kind of dread 
you know, if some of the no, other moves. See, that's the other thing. Just, I never thought it was hopeless. I was sure that they were going to get to the end and there'd be a solution. Like, it, it just seemed like a movie that was working towards the final, you know, showdown where they're going to like finally make it out of there or whatever. You know, I don't know. Like, that's where I'm going to kind of deviate from you. Wait, I, you knew that was coming? You knew that the whole movie was going to end with just like, nope, they all get no, killed. But you I, knew that the I, kid I, was going to get thrown into the pit of hell? I didn't think that they were going to somehow, like, especially when Tom's like pulling out, like he's got the map on his kitchen. He's like, we got to go here. We got to hit the snow plow. And then we're going to go. I never felt that plan was going to work. I didn't feel like just because the weather was so bad and just because it was such a lack of like all the secondary characters, like you're right. You see the, the DHL yeah. delivery it's guy. The only other never, character in the movie. Yeah. You never <laughs> get a, you never family. get a macro. Yeah. You can never get a macro sense of the environment, right? Like there's never like, you know, there's never a police station visit. There's never, and that's interesting too. Like there, there's, this is no, no auxiliary characters to give you kind of time and space right yeah there's literally in this house there's which literally two characters like, outside the family which is the boyfriend yeah. which we see on a zoom call or like a facetime call i was on a zoom call yeah yeah and then the dhl man who i don't know how he gets there because the storm's already started by the time he gets there and well, then, i think he's just a guy that he's written in right he comes in he's delivering but it kind of po- pokes a hole in the movie to me to like how is it that one person is there and yet no one else yeah. is there and i mean it's well, possible he it. drove there but Anyway, I know they tried to make it seem like there's a reason why the whole community's not home. They're doing Florida vacation or whatever, but it seemed Which like a bit of a stretch that absolutely nobody homage, is out there. No homage to home alone. Yeah, it's true. That <laughs> yeah, could be. No, it was like, you know what I mean? Just that, that whole idea, right? Well, well, you could have said the same thing about home alone. Oh, fuck. Everybody's gone. The Murphys are gone. Like, you know, in this movie, they're all gone. The storm kicks up. You get a sense of like aloneness. Yeah, they're isolated. It's like the big yeah, chill. Yeah, you get a you, you get a sense you get a sense of isolation, right? In with, with with the film. So if you know, in that sense, do you think any of the killer toys were scary, or no. any of the elves, or just like his this like gang of of cramp cramponians? I thought the mouth of the Jack in the Box eating the girl was kind of cool, uh, but not gross enough, and also not scary enough for me to really have any reaction the elves were a little more disturbing to me but then the thing about the elves is as soon as they show up especially the first time because this is at this point they're overwhelmed like the family's now overrun and they are basically you know they if the elves want to kill them this is it they they got them but they don't instead they just kind of prance around and laugh and jingle bells and they it's just like what the fuck are these guys they're like let them go (laughs) And then they just, and they steal some of the family, but not all of them. And the gingerbread did more damage than the elves. <laughs> and so, and also the other thing is these elf guys look like what you see in those Krampus, um, what do you call them? parades that happen in like Austria yeah. and stuff. Like that's the kind of costumes you would see there. So they look kind of humanoid and you're like, okay, so they're not really, like, I, I can't tell if I'm scared because they have this kind of cultish feel to them, but then they're being so yeah. silly that you're like, okay, but they never, they haven't done anything yet. Like if they came with like a, like they all just had little short knives and they all like just slashed everybody just like once, you'd be like, you'd be like, holy fuck, these guys are creepy as fuck. But <laughs> instead they just, they don't do anything. Prob PG-13. But I know, but I, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why you could get away with maybe a cut, right? Or something like, not a stab, yeah. just a slice. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if they did but something to put fear in it. You had, the, so the Jack in the Box was like, kind of the Anaconda Jack in the Box was pretty cool. <laughs> the bird 
doll. Yeah. Like the white doll. I think it's the angel, in. isn't it? The angel on the, the angel, top yeah. of the tree. So that's, that's kind of cool. And she has a battle with, I think with Sarah. And then, yeah. <laughs> then you have, we're introduced to the gingerbread. It's kind of cool. Like they're all sleeping there. They're kind of like grandmas. Uh, you got you got the young kid who goes over to the chain, and there's the gingerbread there, and takes a bite out of it, and then <laughs> then the gingerbread, like he's like, "What?" And then he has this pissed off look on his face, and then he wraps him up in the chain, and then he, fuck, it was funny. He whistles up to his buddies, and then they pull the chain out. I'm like. What am I watching? That's what. That's where it got so silly. That's yeah. Yeah, exactly. At this point, I you know when that happened, I knew I wasn't watching a serious film, so my whole outlook on the film changed. And I think I wish that wouldn't happened because there's some cool things that happen near the end in terms of how they've portrayed Krampus himself because you know you don't really see him. You see the silhouette of him a few times, but you don't really see him until. Until like the, near the end of the picture, there's one scene with Omi and then the sort of the ending scene when you got everybody out there. I, for me, I just honestly, I, I watched it and I wasn't scared at all. And if anybody listened to the Event Horizon pod that we just did, and I was telling Rob on just, I think it, we had it on the pod. I was barely watching that film. I was like doing something else. And 45 minutes into the movie... I had to like leave my basement because I was so freaked out by what was going on. Right. Just the, just, just the way the whole movie is done. But anyways, so this movie. So wait, so, so, okay. We've butchered. So this movie's not scary. Not scary. Not funny. So here's the one kill that I guess is interesting to me. And I didn't see this coming. Max at the end begs Krampus to, take him and leave his family alone. Krampus says, he sort of accepts his apology, but then just says, ah, fuck you. He throws him into the pits of hell. He throws him into a hole to hell, (laughs) along with his cousin who got thrown in just before him. So they literally get thrown into a lava pit, like straight out of Inhumanoids. And (laughs) and the kid's dead. And that's it, he's dead. And And then the movie ends with... The fucking ending is <laughs> Max. <laughs> Max gets his Christmas wish, which is that like he gets to have Christmas like it used to be, where everybody's happy. But it's like a, it's like he's been damned. He's he's stuck inside this like snow globe, and I I think the idea here is that he gets to relive Christmas Day every day. But every time he opens his gift, it's the bell from Krampus, so he realizes that he's in the snow globe, and that his soul and his whole family's all his family souls have been damned, including the two-year-old baby, by the way. The two-year-old baby's been thrown into hell, too, and um, did nothing. Yeah. I mean, Guilt they by stole, association. yeah, they stole the baby. Um, and, and, and so Max, it gets his wish, uh, and they get to relive Christmas, but it's like a horrible time loop, like a groundhog day of, of, of not real Christmas every day. And, and, and I think they realize it's not real, and that's why they all get these strange looks at each other at, at the end, pull out and Krampus has like tons of these snow globes where he's damned these souls to the, to his little snow globe hut where he does little miniature paintings or something. Yeah. I don't think anything else needs to be 
I'm not going book club on this ending. I was surprised at what happened. It just the fact that it seemed at the be, at the end of the movie how he accepted the apology, just sort of the way he gestures, <laughs> right? Then he just drops him in, and just almost. But it's like a even that with how Omi was spared earlier in the film. But yeah, Max was Max was laid the waste. Like why was Omi Krampus, spared when he, she was a kid? But then why does that's Krampus come back for her and kill her later? It's just a, it's a, it's a mind boggling. Why does he man. care? It's not it's not consistent with. It just I don't know. It's just, it's either. Either this is it. We you. talked about this off pod. Why does Omi make this big deal? She doesn't go with everybody else. She locks herself back in the house. It's like it's going to be Omi's last stand. And here I thought we were going to see this is where we're going to reveal like how you beat Krampus or that he has a weakness or like whatever. Fuck. I don't know. Omi was going to do something, but instead <laughs> he just shows up. Omi looks at him. He like remembers her because he like licks her face or something. And then he yeah. opens the bag of toys, which are demonic demonic toys and then they just kill her and you don't see it but she gets you know she looks in the bag and then she's attacked yeah all this drama build up to this scene just so that omi can die is it is she supposed to be buying them time like i don't even get what the purpose is i guess she's buying them time it's the only thing i could think of that makes any sense you know it's the second time she's involved in a family that is unhappy and or because you know max I mean? damned she's- her max damned her with his with his is wish it- is it because she she informed them of him and she told them she alerted them to what was coming and potentially how to how to you know keep the fire hot? I don't know what she didn't really give them a whole lot of information, although she did tell them the story about it. So how they interpreted and what they could do with with that information. I'm not sure if there was a punishment piece there. Point is, is that she's a very, you know, complex character in the sense that. She doesn't say a whole lot. She's spoken about off screen by some of the other characters. You know, Omi gets a little weird around Christmas. So there's depth to the character. I must tell you something to all of you. It started with the wind. But you're right. As as we're saying this a lot with a lot of the characters, there's no payoff. There's nothing that happens. There's nothing that you're like, oh, you know, maybe there would. You know what? You know how they could have fixed this, Rob? One simple, like, flashback scene. You know? Something they did. that would have... No, 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 no. I'm talking about when Omi and Krampus were at that standoff, right? If there was, like, another flashback, sort of, I don't know, a, a Christmas, like, 20 years afterwards in the middle or something to kind of bridge the gap between her as a daughter, or, I mean, sorry, her as a child, and then to this you know, present time to make it seem a little more, just to, just to fill in the gaps a little bit, like just the flashback is the easiest thing to do. I think would have helped to give the viewer a little bit better understanding on what the director wanted to do with, with that character. But you're right. Is she there to buy time? No, they literally look each other, look at each other. He sticks out his tongue and then fucking opens up the bag and she's dead. And then they, then, then yeah. the cut. So she, got, she saved about like, five seconds. Like she saved them. I, don't, like, I, don't I think she's been damned. Editing there. I think she's been damned by Max. Like because because Krampus is there, she recognizes that means Max was the last hope that had any sense of Christmas spirit. It has now been snuffed out. Krampus is here. She knows her whole family is doomed now. 
But you would think I she guess. would have more urgency to explain that to him if, if that was the case. Anyway. She doesn't have you know, any urgency the whole film. She just has that one damn look on her she's face. She's pretty good at it. She puts a log on every now and again. So, Jamie, <laughs> let's get to the ending of this movie. Was Let's talk about the ending. Was this ending disappointing for you? And and then I want to frame it around this question. Like, what audience does this ending satisfy? So for me, the ending, so they're able to, basically they've killed off the whole troop. And then for some strange reason, they end up with one of the cousins and Max is the end, right? Yeah. I didn't understand that either. Why is, why okay, is it? Okay. So like, it was just like a very arbitrary decision to have the cousin. And should then we should also mention that. Yeah. Fuck. But they're killed by the snow tremor monster. No, I know. But like, why is it one per, if there's one person left and Max is there to plead, don't you think it makes sense to be someone that you care about? Because this cousin, we've heard four lines come out of her mouth the whole movie. So one million percent, and that's the point I'm I'm trying to make oh. is that w- wouldn't couldn't there be couldn't there be like the trifecta between Krampus, the dad, and Max, and 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 Max giving this like really dramatic monologue? Dad, I'm sorry. I I I wanted us to be a family again, but it just didn't you know I mean something like that right like fuck I did a better job than he did right there and the Oscar goes to why didn't we get that instead we get him pleading to Krampus and then some secondary character who's sort of like just being I don't know discarded upon and I guess it's someone he fought with is that supposed to be the reason that's the one he had I, to I don't fight know. with I think we're reading it. I think we're reading into it too much I, well, I'm not they sure must have put it there for a reason it's a, it, it's nobody's that dumb <laughs> nobody writes a movie just like like ah and somebody else's something's kid is there it's like no that's the one he had to fight with so maybe that's supposed to be important that the contract was kind of sealed at that point the ground there's the tremor and then there's the i guess that fault line not fault line but like there's it's a, a hole to hell crack. yeah it's a hole to hell it's a crack in the ground right hole to hell and then you've got like the sleigh with like the oxen or devil oxen there and like you got everybody there and then he's dropped into hell and then you've got the next scene that really finishes off the you know the second last scene of them sitting on the couch christmas everybody seems to be very joyous and happy and pans out and they end up they're in a snow globe and they're in krampus's lair but before that happens he opens up the present it's that christmas ball that krampus ball and then the they bell, all it's a bell the bell the krampus bell and then all their facial expressions change, like they're aware of what's happened and what's happening. I, I guess it was kind of clever or a, a, a different way to kind of end the film because it definitely makes you think about what potentially that means. Does it mean that they're in a snow globe and they're living that day over and over again? Does that mean that they are living their lives now because Max apologized under the watchful eye of Krampus? So any no, no, they're trapped. Apple. No, they have nowhere to go but that house. It's just like the movie itself. They've now been encompassed in a slow globe. Like they were isolated in the movie. They're isolated now again. They have to they have to live in that house and relive Christmas Day. I think they have to live, relive Christmas Day every day. Yeah. And every day, as soon as he opens the present, that's when they it all dawns on them that they've So been, it's like Groundhog Day. They just go to sleep every night and then just every day wake up on Christmas Day. That's what you think. Yeah, but I think here's the other thing. As soon as they get that Christmas bell, as soon as he gets it, who knows if the whole movie doesn't play out again and they all just get killed one by one. 
and then wake up again in the morning and do it all over again. Open the presents. So perpet- perpetual hell, right? Yeah, right. it's hell. Just like we talked about Event Horizon. It's like they go to so hell and they're another- punished <laughs> over and over again. Does that satisfy? Is that a satisfying, well, is that a my satisfying is, ending I, for you? For me, Did it's you not. Enjoy that ending? For me, it's not because I think the no. movie set up the expectation that he was going to find a way out. Like he was going to refine his hope. And then I thought actually if the movie was going to be super stupid, because I wasn't totally sure how he was going to get out. And I kept assuming he was. And, and so that was the trick they pulled on me, which is good uh, or interesting, I guess. But I honestly thought like fucking Santa was going to show up and like fight Krampus or something stupid like that. Or see, like, that would have been, dude, that would have been, see. That's where the comedy would have come back, right? Like that would have, like I'm, we're struggling to get some jokes here. Like that would have been a little bit of meat on the bone. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this was, something, something to friggin' jump into. Like the, that's the thing, eh? You give us this movie that is not all that well thought out. But then you throw us this like complete curveball ending that doesn't really fit in with how the movie itself kind of played out. So to me, it feels really disjointed. And and you're right, because it was just so silly, you did feel like, oh, they'd be able to blast out of there on the snowmobile, like his plan would work. That was another thing too, eh? I feel like the movie itself had a nice pace for the first 20 to 25 minutes. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I know they're isolated in the home and I know, but even the fact that they were going out to search for Beth and then they came back to the house and then Howard went out the front door and then came back and then they tried to make the run. To me, the movie never felt like it got any pace again. It, it's know, an hour 38 and it could have been an hour 20 easily. They could, okay, have, they yeah, could have taken 15, 20 minutes off this movie. It, just, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. You could have even taken, we only had... We had the attic scene. We had like a couple of attack scenes. The chimney scene. It. Yeah, a couple of attacks. The what the fuck was the basement scene? Oh, yeah. Well, there was no basement scene. You're saying, well, That's they had an saying. attic what instead. F- they did the attic. Attic is spooky too. What a fucking basement scene, Rob. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess on, you could have man, a different like kind of creature down there for sure. So, yeah. Just, just, uh, like just wrapping up with that <laughs> ending. I'm trying to figure out like, and I keep coming back to the question, what audience does that ending satisfy? So- I'm trying to put my head into the sort of cynical, like um, cynical comedic edge that this movie is supposed to have, which I don't think it has. I think it fails to hit, but I think this is the kind of laughs that they're after are that kind of cynical person. Who's like, these are pot yeah. smoking. Laugh yeah. Around. Like, yeah, but that's like, what I mean. I, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to like enjoy that about it, but I, I just, like, I feel like Max should have been super annoying or like should have said something really stupid or like, uh, like, or they could have dangled them over the, the hell thing a little longer. I don't know. Something to add some silliness to like really, it just, at the end, like a part of me is why we're potting angry. Like we're, we're angry potting right now. Right. And I think the reason <laughs> is because like, I thought this was going to be funny and it's not funny. And so it becomes this morality tale. Because it isn't funny. If it's funny, then you're like, ah, that's a fucking hilarious movie. Like kill scene and this one and this one. And you're just like, you compare notes about all the funny no, shit. It's, it's, it's not, we're funny struggling at all. with all of it because it's just not there. And so it doesn't have that comedic edge where you're like, you love the funny payoff that, oh, they went to hell. That's hilarious. Instead, you're just like, oh, they went to hell. <laughs> wow. That yeah, was a it's, real it's, it's downer. Exactly. Like, Wow, what a fucking downer of an ending that was. 
Like I because the arcs of the characters force us into the middle of actually treating this like a semi-serious film. Well, and the arc and makes you assume they're going to satisfy that arc, and they don't. Instead, of, like no. the, the when you when a character overcomes something and changes, the result is supposed to be, you know, in in a formulaic movie is supposed to be like you know they get to the final goal that we expected them to. In this case, it would have been they rediscover the spirit of Christmas and. I don't know, with their glowing Santa powers, they knock Krampus back into the hell hole and he disappears. But that doesn't happen. Instead, it's just like, yep, they lost all hope. And which is crazy because they didn't lose all hope. And that's the thing that pisses me off. It's like, if they lost all hope, then the movie should have been what you were saying earlier. The characters remain assholes. And so you love watching them get picked off. But instead- They came together. So you feel like there should have been some kind of, redemption for that there should have been some kind of reward for that but you never get that all you do is you have somebody it's like krampus just kind of like you know like when somebody just kind of puts their head down and it can't listen to reason and it's just like it's just it is what's going to happen it's like you have that happening with the villain but you have the characters that are not really functioning as the traditional fodder for the villain so it's the movie itself is like super disjointed and the kills suck. The kills suck. And that's what's yeah. really disappointing. If, if you got gun toting guy, he should die by the gun. If you got like the only kid, the only one is the kid who eats the gingerbread. That's the only one that makes sense. Like Beth getting killed doesn't make sense. She goes to see her boyfriend. Oh, don't even, I, you know, like, I had a section, I had a section for, for characters to go through. To me, that was the stupidest. She's set up as a caring older sister. She's got a ton of screen time in the beginning. If you look at her, she's got a lot of screen yeah, time. Yeah, she does. And yet- And she again, she transforms off. quickly, right? She's nasty at the beginning, the first two scenes, and then she's really caring and, and Max's best friend right and after she's that. she's killed off screen basically right yep. away. Yep. And I'm like, what? That didn't make any fucking sense. And that's the thing. So many of the deaths are off screen that you don't get any satisfaction out of the person dying. Like if you're going to kill the old aunt, kill her in a funny way. If you're going to kill- yeah, uh, like all the deaths should have been funny, and and instead you actually don't want any of them to die, and then they get di- they get killed by being sucked out a window or up a chimney, and you're like, I so it's ah, as we as I'm about to I'm about to rage out here, Jamie. <laughs> no, you know what? As as we kind of just like wrap this up, I'm realizing that just just by talking it uh, with you is that yeah, like them being dropped into the pit of hell, like that's supposed to be funny at the end. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be funny, and it's it just isn't. It's not. And, and I think I, it could have been. Hold on, is it, I think it could have been funny. I think like like the idea that, oh my God, this movie is actually going to go that far and they're going to lose. It could be funny. That's it, Jimmy. No. Like, fucking rate this piece of shit. I'm ready to go. <laughs> this movie is a COVID Christmas wrapped up in a movie because it fucking sucks. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not no, very I've good. I've never seen you this angry. I'm I've just, never seen you this angry before. And I, this is something because I, I was so... I was actually excited. I didn't see I, know. I was excited to watch it. I was like, shit, I got a couple of weeks off from work. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch Krampus. We're going to do a pod on this. And we and thought it was going to be a funny it. one. We thought we were just going to have like 10 beers and just make fun of this movie. And I'm having a hard time making fun of it because it sucks. And anybody that, yeah, anybody and, that wants to make fun of this movie and actually has a funny pod on it, I want to listen to it because I just don't see the, the jokes there. I don't know, man. Or, or the you jokes go, are just weak. Like, you get that they're supposed to be funny and you're like, oh, yeah. And, but it's just, know, they're just not that funny. And, and okay, so ra- ra- rate this thing. Uh, fucking rate it. Right? Uh, fuck. Fucking rate this it. fucking piece of shit. So here's the thing. We saw this movie without 
seeing it before. This isn't like one of the old, like Running Scared, we've been doing basically our favorite films, uh, our favorite horror movies. And everyone, this is like, is this the first one we've done where we had zero going into it? We didn't know anything. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Well, we did, we did Hereditary, which we haven't released because we struggled with it so much (laughs) for different reasons though. Maybe we need to watch, maybe we need to know movie, the, the, the films to, to, to bot on them. But no, I, I, yeah, I think this is, this is one of the only movies that we hadn't seen. You know, we've, we've rewatched everything, but I think this was a fresh watch for yeah. both of us. Anyway, and we thought it'd be an easy one because it's Christmas and it's a Christmas yeah, before. That, I'm like, it's supposed to be funny. It's not. So I don't know why you'd listen to an hour of this review just to find out. No, you should definitely not watch this movie. <laughs> I think it could have been better. I think there were moments maybe that they could have, I think they could have done the same idea and just amped up everything. And maybe they would have had a more satisfying movie, but because it's PG 13, because they won't show any gore, because they won't show the kills because the kills aren't creative and they're not funny and they don't have any edge to them. uh, And because the monsters don't have any bite, like they just don't impress you. And they're not funny enough either. Like the gingerbread men are supposed to be funny and they're like, mildly funny and they're like yeah. kind of stoner funny i get it but like not really even that funny no <clears throat> so overall i'm just gonna give this one a fucking one i don't know no is there anything redeemable the opening 20 minutes the opening scene and the opening 20 minutes are really well done so i'll give it i'll give it two and a half steps jamie two and a half steps my god is that high or is that low to you i thought that was okay oh, i was about to go one and you were like come on and so i went two and a half the 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 opening scene or the opening 20 15 20 minutes it's like mildly comedic you're getting to know the characters good setup though the, it's no 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 that's what uh-uh. i'm saying it's a good setup the characters look good the sets look good tony collette like that's one i think she's probably a strength in the film right even though her She's not given a lot to do at the end, you know, just because she's kind of oh, she gets sucked into, into the snow hole like everyone yeah. else. It's so dumb. But she's she's really good, and she's like a modern day scream queen now. She's in a ton of horror films, so I do like her. For me, the movie just I don't know. Like even when they go to the they're looking for Beth, I you know I never. It's like almost right, like that, like that scene should be scary, right? Yeah, like it should be scary. It was I don't know. It's almost like a little bit of action and then like. I don't know. I thought the elves looked kind of, kind of creepy, and the Jack in the Box thing was kind of cool. It's almost like when you go to, I don't know, man. Like, uh, you're you're somewhere, and you just kind of you're picking away at a few things, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool, and yeah, that's all right. But I don't really like the like you're in a store. You like that pair of pants or that shirt, but you don't really like the whole store, so you probably won't go back to the store. That's how I felt about this movie. I was man, I thought we'd just do this pod and just kick back a few beers and just, just enjoy it. But I actually, I'm not even sure if I, and that's where we kind of land on a lot of what we, what we watch and how we rate it is if the question we ask ourselves is, do I even enjoy it? And I didn't, I got, I was bored in the middle and the ending was left me as like a little perplexed. It got me thinking a little bit, which I, I definitely like. And even talking about it, it's probably been worse uh, in terms of how I think about the film. I think for me, the movie is probably a one and a half, you know, one footstep and one toe. I just, I didn't really like it. 
and it had some good pieces to it, but it just like I'm watching the film and I'm saying to myself, Oh shit. If somebody were to make like a dark Krampus film, you could make something unreal. Yeah. Because of just the, just the imagery associated with, with the, the spirit or the God itself. It's like very creepy. We didn't even talk about the way Krampus looks. Yeah, he's he looks cool. He, uh, he definitely looks cool. So maybe I'll you know I'm gonna I didn't, pump it to two I, didn't stops. I didn't realize his face was gonna look like a human. Like he looks like kind of like again he's anti Santa, so he's like an old gross looking man. But then he's got this long yeah, tongue, it's like sunken in eyes, and yeah. he's got the big long tongue, and the he's got goat the hooks legs, and the horn. And yeah. And so it was like there's something there, there's something there, but I don't know, Rob. The other thing, man. The other thing. Time. The other thing for me about this movie, why why. <laughs> I got mad and why like I, I don't think it it does well is like you're gonna make your like it was a good idea to make a horror Christmas movie. It's a good idea. So you gotta come through. Like you wanna nuzzle up to the Christmas <laughs> classics and you wanna be you wanna be the antithesis to the to the Christmas classics where like you're gonna watch you know, would you watch A Wonderful Life with your kids through the daytime? But once they go to bed, hey, let's throw a Krampus. Yeah, yeah. But no, I don't recommend you do that. I honestly, I don't think it's for adults. No, it I doesn't. No, but I, that's not what I'm saying. My point is like, this is supposed to be like, if you're going to do a holiday movie like this, you want it to be part of the tradition. Like, Hey, let's have a yeah. night where we watch Krampus. Yeah. This is definitely not going it doesn't, on the shelf. Doesn't, it's not going to make my tradition, man. No way am I ever revisiting this film. And I yeah. highly recommend Gremlins as your Christmas horror movie. Still, there might be another one that I haven't seen yet in terms of Christmas well, there's, horror, there's, but there's this like, is, this is not it. No, this is not it. If like, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I am not going to. Re- and we don't actually really say this, but I'm not going to recommend this movie. Uh, I, it just got a cool name, Krampus. Like, you want to check it out? It's got a kind of cool cover, cool trailer. But I would pass on this. You know, there's Black Christmas. There's um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. There's Gremlins. There's other Christmas movies to check out if you like Christmas and horror. But for me, this is probably a pretty hard pass on. Krampus. So anyways, that is, uh, that is our review of Krampus and sorry for being so angry. Gave me a fucking cramp is what it gave me. (laughs) Uh, listen, we got lots of stuff going on right now. We got, um, actually we just released event horizon, which is a film we both love. And, uh, that's a, that's a nice, good long pod. It was a good one. Lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed. I listened to it actually again and and it was good rob you did you did a good job with the editing there the drops are are really good uh we have our recent jog cast out um blood at night part two part two of three and then we're gonna have the conclusion i think now that this is done i think we're gonna you know work on that get that kind of happening and again as always but for christmas hey jimmy you gave them you gave them a gift remember there's a gift on our uh, on our feed right now. Jamie has gifted you guys all out there, all oh, you joggers, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. the full cut of Helen Hamilton. That's that's part one, two, three, all brought together. I think you gave him the one without the pre the, uh, the Actually, prelude. You know the what? Top, that's, I I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Yes. It's it's that's the gift, right? It, Helen Hamilton. It is fifty two minutes of that's a good run of jog cast of yeah. Oh, it's like of of audio audio drama. There is no preamble. There is no sales pitch. It is just the entire thing and enjoy. It's awesome. I, there's been a, quite a few people that have downloaded it and enjoyed it. So just go ahead. And yeah, I think it, we talked about Rob, we're going to keep that up until 
I don't know, what was that? The 27th or 26th or 27th, I think. And then we we're going to take It's it up down. to you because I was totally against this move. But yeah, uh, do, <laughs> but uh, also those of you who are into like audio drama, like take a look at what we made here because it's, you know, it's meant for jogging. That's how we made it. But it's also like, it's a movie. It's an audio movie, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's amazing. And then we got The Blood at Night and... Again, we got the third one coming out and uh, then we'll put that one together, I think, at some point. But send us an email at therunningscaredpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us uh, on Twitter at runningscaredpd or you can follow us at Instagram at runningscaredpod. Rob, this has been good. This has been awful. This has been <laughs> awful and I can't stand this movie. <laughs> but you know what? We wanted to do it. We wanted to do a Christmas movie. We did Krampus. And we actually, you know, um, I'm happy we did it, but now I'm, I'm ready to move on to something else. Yeah. We'll see you in the new year from the boys here at Running Scared. The Running Scared podcast is written and produced by Jamie Roberts and Robert Lendrum. This episode edited by Jamie Roberts with original music by Jamie Roberts. Find us on social media and see you in the new year on Running Scared. I knew St. Nicholas was not coming this year. Instead, it was a much darker, more 